and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Baby Loss. I'll be joined by my cousin, Savannah Hartzler, who is a newly married labor and delivery nurse. Savannah has generational and personal experience of baby loss and after many heartbreaks has now got her own son. We'll be diving into an honest and raw conversation about miscarriage and baby loss, a father's perspective and how hope can be found in the darkest of moments. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Hi Savannah, welcome to Let's Be Honest, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm so happy that I'm here, we're in North North Carolina, yes, we are. Ma'am. Well, I'm at my family's house, I've kind of forgotten what, what state we're at, but we're in North Carolina, this is actually the first stop on our tour that we're doing, this this full tour, so thank you for being my first guest on the tour. Yes, thank you for having me. So we're we're family, we're cousins, aren't we? Yes, our moms are first cousins, yeah. so... That I'm- makes us... I think we're first cousins once removed, yes, yes. and your son is my sec- first cousin twice removed. I don't, I don't know. know; it gets so like we're complicated. Just yeah. We're just family. Yeah. That's all it is. So it's nice to just have a conversation with someone that you know and mm-hmm. and you've you know been a part of their journey. Mm-hmm. It's different when you're talking to someone about something that that's tough when maybe you don't know the person, right? You know, because you can get in into the logistics of things and you can have compassion, but when you've walked alongside someone it's it's different it you know difference, yeah. so that's that's special for, for me and today we're talking about something that is really difficult I find even like just saying the word quite difficult to say mm-hmm. but our topic is baby loss yes and a child going before their time and yes. how somebody deals with that the parent in particular how it affects the family and friends you mm-hmm. know around that that situation so we're gonna just deal with it with real delicacy and mm-hmm. but stick true to you know what this podcast is about of, of being honest yes. and just allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and it will be hard but I think it's gonna touch a lot of people because I think this topic is so taboo oh, and yeah. so oh, yeah. don't mention it don't talk about it don't acknowledge it that there's probably more people that have dealt with this than not yes. or certainly that we know of yeah so by shining a light on it and just you know allowing people to witness our conversation like not forcing people to okay well now you have to tell your experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just just being a, a resource for people who have also experienced yes. it I think is going to affect absolutely, in a good way absolutely you know so that that's really awesome so let's let's talk about like your childhood and our family life because it's quite yeah. interesting our you know our dynamics what was how would you describe your childhood what was it like um crazy mm-hmm. is the best descriptor for it i'm yeah. the oldest of seven children yeah. here on earth um and it actually does touch on fetal loss a little bit in that my mom had several miscarriages when i was about 12 to 14 years old mm. um so that was something that i experienced before you know i even had a chance to get out in the world and have my own kids so yeah. um oldest of seven kids here on earth and um we were all homeschooled so we were all in each other's hair all the time um, and my dad did not make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just made the best with what we had. So at one point, I think all five of us girls, there's five girls, two boys, and all five of us girls were in one bedroom wow. and our, our dressers were in the basement cause it was literally only room for beds. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm a really good roommate. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to be after yes. all of that training. Yes. Um, but I grew up with lots of people to play with and, um, you know, 
engage with and just a huge community and so Mm. now that I'm an adult you know my baby sister's only 10 um so we're not all grown yet but you know as we are entering the adult years I have many friends you know Mm. who you know we fought as kids and we grew up together but now as we're kind of entering our own lives and our own relationships we're still really close and so coming back together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and you know you had the chance to come for Easter this year yeah that was so much fun we did the big Easter egg hunt yes and so you kind of got a chance to see what it's like you know it's just it's absolute chaos (laughs) on a good day it's organized chaos but it's pure love you know it's just we all adore each other and are up in each other's hair and business and Mm -hmm. um so yeah I really loved being part of a big family I definitely want to have a lot of kids Mm -hmm. um so yeah we we lived in Colorado for 10 years um my dad was a self-employed painter at the time we had some rough housing situation and then he ended up all of his paint equipment got stolen and it was so expensive we couldn't replace it and we were like where are we gonna go from here Mm. um and then his parents lived here in North Carolina um bought a house and we're like hey come rent this house from us come Mm -hmm. you know my dad started working at the company where his dad um already worked and so so that's what brought us out to North Carolina um almost 15 years ago which is crazy I know I feel like I grew up in Colorado but really I grew up here sure in the southeast well growing up is like you don't I don't think there's just one period of growing up like you know, I've grown up in the last six months in ways right. that I hadn't before. Right. Like there's, yeah, there's your, your childhood and stuff, but you, you definitely have periods yes. of growing up and, and certain memories in certain yeah. places. And Did, so the biggest, you know, the most significant part of my, like my, my, I don't know, figuring out who I was mm-hmm. and all of that. And I met my husband and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my family's really rooted here now. So, mm-hmm. so North Carolina is home at this point. And, right. Um, yeah, yeah that's so true did you feel like having so many siblings and especially being you know the oldest that that prepared you for being a parent in certain ways um yeah for sure well because um you know my mom and dad had a rough relationship their entire marriage they ended up separating when my baby sister was one and got divorced my freshman year of college mm. um so in a lot of ways I was a parent you know especially with um being homeschooled like a one parent cannot homeschool seven kids no. and give them the attention that your they mother need. is just incredible I mean you all are but I yeah. just um so there was a lot of you know helping with meals helping with laundry doing you know I think I, I calculated one time changed thousands of diapers by the time I was a teenager you know mm. and so there was some level of you know I had never been the primary parent I had never been the person making every decision for a child and so that was definitely new when I had my son right um but as far as like comfort level with babies and you know just how to take care of another human Mm -hmm. um I had done quite a bit of that and so you know my husband had to learn all of it Mm -hmm. and he did a great job um and is doing an amazing job but it was definitely my comfort zone more than his in the beginning yeah sorry my chair's squeaking that's just gonna be the way it is I'm like you know it's quite nice having a podcast called let's be honest because you can just go oh that's all right it just fits in with the theme whatever it is that shows up but um yeah I'll just try and sit sit still um so becoming a parent and and experiencing all of these things you know that's that's a new chapter of life for you but yet you were really comfortable with it in terms of experiencing baby loss you know, your mum went through Mm -hmm. having miscarriages. Mm -hmm. What was that like being, you know, 12 to 14, that's such a Mm -hmm. vulnerable, tender age, you know, especially for a girl. But Mm -hmm. what was that like experiencing your mother going through that? 
Um, so the first one was right after my second brother was born. He was probably, I don't know, one or something like that. Um, and it was a pretty early loss. Um, I now know that she was 10 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and most miscarriages happen within the first 12 weeks. That's why people always say, oh, don't, don't say anything till it's three months. I hate that. I do too. Because why shouldn't we talk about it? Thank you. Because this is a baby that you have. This Mm -hmm. is a baby that you love and you're excited for. And then if you lose it, you feel like you have to bear that in secret. Mm. And, and it is a taboo, you know, Mm. like rather than people being excited with you over this baby that you're excited about and then if you lose it mourning that loss with you right you know you're it's all in secret because you've got to pretend almost it didn't happen yes so I hate that um anyway so she we just found out she was pregnant and then she lost it pretty quickly thereafter um and so it was really hard but it um but it it seemed pretty early on um and um we named her Faith Mm -hmm. um we named all of the babies that she lost and um and then shortly thereafter, she got pregnant again. Um, and this didn't make as much. It wasn't as significant to me at the time. Um, but she w- she those babies, she had twins. Those babies passed when they were 20 weeks, which is halfway through pregnancy. Um, wow. So she had known she was pregnant, fully preparing yes. for twins. Yes. And wow. it, you know, at the time, I was just, you know, she was going to all these appointments because she was much farther along. She had to have a, a surgery at DNC. Um, where they actually open the cervix and scrape everything out like her body wasn't letting go of those twins Mm. um, naturally and so during all those appointments and trying to figure out if she was still you know if they were still alive if one had passed both had passed I was just praying and praying and praying you know like God you know please don't do this to us again like Mm. you know please we just really want these babies and because this is the this is number two that yeah it was the second miscarriage and then it was two babies at once um but now you know so I was I was really torn up about it and all of us were you know we loved having younger siblings we were so excited whenever mom was pregnant mm. um and we had just been through one loss and so kind of as a family we were holding our breaths waiting for you know is this actually going to happen again mm. so that was hard but now you know being older um I worked as a labor and delivery nurse for two years knowing what 20 weeks looks like you know mm. that you're just weeks away from viability that yeah um you're halfway through your pregnancy like that's a really late loss yeah. especially with twins well that's five months yes five so she was months quite pregnant. that's a long time yes. um so and then unfortunately those babies were lost as well and it was a very um I don't know growing time I guess for our family there was a lot of family grieving mm. um I remember one one day in particular we all wrote letters to those babies and the the twins they knew for sure one was a boy they were unsure of the other one so we decided Mm -hmm. that was a girl um so their names are Zachariah and Gloria um and so we just had a day after those two successive losses where Mm. we all wrote letters to those babies Mm. um just as a way to kind of process and I I imagine that was my mom's idea I don't remember yeah um but just allowing allowing yourself to grieve and I'm a big advocate for grief oh yeah you know I've 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 not really experienced grief connected to death, mm-hmm. I, and I, I you know I'm touching wood because I've not really experienced mm-hmm. that. I'm I'm going on 26, and I've I've got all four of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I've never you know I've not really had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But you know I, I I'm a big believer that grief doesn't just have to be with death. You can grieve the person you once was, something that oh, never came yes. to be, a yes. relation, whatever it is. And that's what a lot of grieving um, an unborn child is because you didn't actually know that baby mm. yet. You know, even, you know, you felt them move maybe, um, but you're not grieving memories with them mm-hmm. as much as you're grieving 
what you lost. You know, we lost future siblings. Yeah. You know, we, the potential of yes, exactly. what, was, what was to be exactly. never got to be. So that's what a lot of, you know, you're grieving a death, but it's a death that you never, of the person you never met. Mm. And so, and so there, there's a lot of grieving of mm. potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of our experience with, um, with losing them. Um, and then after that, she had two healthy full-term pregnancies and those mm-hmm. were my two youngest sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that she was done having kids. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of, you know, it's, it's just a part of our story and occasionally they come up, you know, especially around, um, the time of spring in, mm-hmm. in the South. I think that they must have passed in the springtime. I don't know why this became such a thing. I'd have to ask my mom, but we had these camilla trees that mm-hmm. had these beautiful flowers bloomed all like early, early spring, February. Um, and it be, kind of became their symbol and their flower for all of these babies. And so every time they bloom every year, we'd talk about them. Mm. And, um, and so that became really symbolic and, you know, it's, it's still hard and it's still painful, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I genuinely believe that, you know, all these yeah. babies go to heaven and looking forward to seeing them one day and meeting mm. them for the first time, these oh, siblings that's so sweet. Yeah. Um, that I haven't met yet. Um, so it's something that, you know, is still a part of our pretty regular life in that it comes up. Yeah. But, but that's lovely in a way that, you know, you're honoring yes. them. It's not just this like medicalized, you know, oh, she went through that and it was like, you know, she had a DNC and whatnot, you know, that it's like yes. honoring the memory and, the, mm-hmm. and, and acknowledging, mm-hmm. you know, it for what it is I just think that's really lovely do you think that and I don't want to compare different types of grief but that there's something almost more heartbreaking about grieving something that never got to be versus something that you had and lost because you know like they that phrase it's you know they say it's better to have loved and mm-hmm. lost than never loved at all you know because then you at least you had the time and you know you have memories to hold on to mm-hmm. but there's something just so eerie sad about mm-hmm. like just yes. it being cut off before it ever got a chance to be like just as that's awful it is it's really it is hard and it's hard to say that like my grief is harder than anyone else's grief like mm-hmm. everybody's experience is different and yeah that's you true know, with my pregnancy with my son you know the longer you are pregnant the more attached you are to it mm-hmm. and then you know especially people... if it's something you want right and if you're are... planning for it you yes. know and there are people who you know lose babies you know it's not technically um an intrauterine fetal death it's you know they deliver and then the baby dies you know they were premature or Mm. they got sick or whatever the reason Mm. you know and then you know they had them for a day or a week or a friend of ours had a baby pass it i think like 10 months and so like how can you say you know they're all children that you're losing and there's something particularly horrific about losing a child you know like right. it's, it's so anti the way that things are supposed to it, be it's just against the natural yes. order so you know I can't really say like my grief is worse than anyone else's I think my heart just goes out to and breaks for anyone who's experienced of course. anything like that yeah um wow so being a labor and delivery nurse did you have experience with children that were still born and and have you know because that's all more on the medical side you've you've got a really interesting perspective because you've had a personal experience but then you've also had like a professional experience so what was that like walking women through that journey it um it was a really bizarre dichotomy of um you know my heart is breaking for them I want to connect with them and you know cry with them Mm. and then I'm also their nurse right so I have to pay attention to are they bleeding too much are they you know do they need fluids what are their orders what does the physician need and so you almost have to split your brain in half um and I actually 
I didn't do deal with any fetal losses on my unit. I know that they were there, but other nurses were taking care of them right. until after I'd had my own miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that brought a different dynamic to it in that I had never, you know, I had my experience with my mom. And then the first time that I had, you know, any kind of loss at work, um, it was with my own experience in mind. Mm. Um, so the very first um, one that I took care of um, on labor and delivery was several months after my own miscarriage. And I don't know how I got assigned to it, but um, I did. And it was this lady, it was her ninth pregnancy, and she'd never carried a baby to term. Wow. So she'd had really early losses all the way up through pretty late losses. Um, mm. And she had a lot of a very extensive medical history. Um, and so she was hospitalized at almost 26 weeks. They were very concerned about this baby's growth and it, the health of its cord. Um, and unfortunately, she was a, a much larger lady. And so she had a very small baby and trying to trace the fetal heart tones through, you know, her size. And she, the baby only traced in one position and then, you know, was clearly in distress, would have these huge um, distress indicators with its heart rate and we're trying to turn her and, you know, try to, you know, keep this baby stabilized. And they finally decided like this baby needs to come out now. Like it's either Mm -hmm. going to pass away inside or, you know, it's going to pass away out here, but it has a better chance out here. Mm -hmm. And so it was close to the end of the shift, a very difficult shift of trying to stabilize her baby and keep her comforted and calm and lots of running for the ultrasound because we couldn't find the baby. And, you know, do we need to do a C-section? Is the baby passed already? Like, you know, and it was just an emotionally taxing day for her in Mm. particular. And then also me having just had my own loss recently. Mm. Um, So we did a C-section and that baby only weighed 250 grams, which at 26 weeks, is that normal or abnormal? Very abnormal. That baby was, and I, I don't know off the top of my head how big they're supposed to be, but it was about half the size that, or she, she was a girl. She was about half the size that she should have been. And the NICU was there for that delivery, and they said she's too small to intubate. If we try to, essentially, if we try to save her life, we're going to irreparably hurt her. You know, we're just going to tear up her mouth and her throat. So we just need, and the mom was under general anesthesia because it was an emergency. And so they were like, at least bring the dad in here and let him hold her because she's just, you know. I can't even picture what 250 grams is. Like, what can you compare it to? smaller than you know like a a a 16 ounce water bottle she was smaller than that god and she was she was beautiful she was perfect so it was a fully formed fully formed beautiful she looked like an angel she was just too tiny to take care of at that size and so and 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 what was her issue why was she struggling it i think it had to do with the mom's health issues and Mm. and there was never like for me there was they never said oh it's because of this she was just incredibly growth restricted Mm. um she never grew past a certain size and so even though she was past the week's age of viability she was never big enough Mm. and so and it was right at the end of the shift and there was a lot going on and so I gave report on that patient and then was needing to leave and I was just overcome with emotion and my last image was the dad was holding her all wrapped up back in the PACU, just holding her. And I think she may have already passed at this point. And he was just holding her and waiting for them to finish the C-section with the mom. And he just looked up at the doctor and says, why did, said, why does this keep happening? And I, I couldn't be there anymore. I just needed to leave before I, I, you know, I just walked out into the hallway and burst into tears. I would have done the same thing. It was so, I just came home and wept and wept and wept. Mm. And it was for her loss and my loss and, you know, nine pregnancies. So was it With never a, yeah. a living baby? I just couldn't imagine. And but God, like, and I think so many people, um, whether it's because of you know, like TVs and film, like how it's represented, most people think I think 
miscarriage is like oh it's really early on you know you, you sort of bleed out and it just mm-hmm. sort of washes away like it's just like oh it's not there anymore and you sort of bleed it out and it's fine but people don't realize maybe that you know an actual fetus is being formed Mm -hmm. and that as you've just explained in that story like Mm -hmm. that they do have to come outside and it's you know it's not just like oh you know you you trickled some blood and oh whoopsie you're not pregnant anymore like it can be pretty horrific and even when you go to the extent of like a baby that is carried to full term yes. and they've passed away and that mother has got to push the baby has out to go through labor and labor push. and delivery and then yet and her baby's dead yes so i had the opportunity to care for this family um not long after that experience with um that 26 baby um and it was a, my one of my co-workers friends um requested me to be their nurse mm-hmm. um knowing my history yeah um and so her first pregnancy was a little boy that she lost pre-viably um, he passed away. They knew he'd passed away. They induced and delivered her, um, with the baby already passed. This was her second pregnancy, a little girl. Um, and they were of course very excited, but then her entire labor was filled with so much fear as well. Mm-hmm. Um, her little girl was being, she was being induced early with this girl because of her, How early? um, 35 weeks. So okay. not horrifically early, but like the NICU was going to come evaluate and she might stay with you. She might come to the NICU. And so she was just so worried that something mm-hmm. was going to happen. Um, and we had this moment, um, pretty close to when she delivered, um, towards the end of her labor where I just sat down and I was like, let's just talk, you know, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and I told them my experience with losing a pregnancy at 12 weeks and it was completely different than their experience. Um, but in a lot of ways it was also the same. And we had a chance to talk about like how people reacted to that and how it is to be pregnant afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that was the moment when she was the most at peace mm-hmm. um, during her whole labor was when she had a chance to talk about her son mm-hmm. and tell her experience and, you know, why she was afraid. And yeah. so it was it was a very difficult labor for her um, because of her first loss. Um, but then it also became a really bonded moment mm-hmm. because... Um, this connection yes and there's this quote i don't remember what book it's from but i wrote it up on my whiteboard in college um that that i don't know if i whatever i'm gonna butcher it but it's Sorry, essentially I butcher every quote yeah. i talk about i'm like there's this person that said something yeah. that was like oh it was really influential but i just yes. always forget yeah. um so the concept is that vulnerable vulnerability breeds vulnerability as trust mm. breeds trust mm. and so by me sitting down and saying hey this was my experience yeah. let's talk about it because she wasn't she, alone in it anymore. Yes, yes. And and her husband as well. We roped him in and how mm. did this affect you? And let's talk about your yeah. experience. And um, That's that little, got to be a really, just because you said that, that's got to be a really difficult thing because not only do people not talk about miscarriage and baby loss as a general, yes. but if they do, they're considering it from the mother's point they of view. They completely leave out the dads. There's no like, how do you feel about this? Because... I think people think, well, you didn't carry it. How could you be attached? You know, of course a father could be invested and attached at a pregnancy at any stage. And I mean, men, I I love men. I'm a feminist and I think I fight for all of the Mm -hmm. the rights that need to be fought for. But I just, I think men are great, good men. And I know a lot of good men. And I think so many people just write men off and, and paint them all with the same brush. I know so many great, good men, my uncles, my father my friends my Mm -hmm. cousins you know Mm -hmm. lots lots of good men and um people just don't give them the space to 
feel have emotions have emotion grieve you know whatever and so they've just got to like suffer and grieve or whatever the emotion is in silence it's i mean so that's hard that's really hard yeah and so for for people who have experienced any kind of fetal loss their pregnancy afterwards their delivery afterwards especially the farther along you were Mm -hmm. um it makes it a really difficult space because you're both happy in this pregnancy you're excited Mm. but you're also grieving you know you're you're either having flashbacks or you are you know mourning the loss of the other child and so Mm -hmm. um and again it's different for everybody but but it can be a very hard space to be in yeah following the loss of a baby especially the farther you know the the more term pregnancies and so with um with my pregnancy i didn't want to be pregnant with my first um was that a surprise it was it totally was we'd just gotten married Mm. we were like hey we want to wait a couple years before we have kids let's get used to being married we were both young my Mm -hmm. husband was 19 i was 22 Mm -hmm. when we got married um and so we were like let's give ourselves a little bit of time to get used to this whole marriage thing right and then a month and a half later i was gonna go get fitted for a diaphragm Mm -hmm. at my midwife and I was like, oh, my, I was supposed to start my period two days ago. Like, what if I was pregnant? Ha ha. Let's just take a test before I go in. <laughs> ha ha. That's right. what made you pregnant, Savannah. Ha ha. Because I laughed at it. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> the thing with diaphragms is you have to get refitted if you've had a child. Right. Um, or else they would they Because your cervix is different. Well, exactly. And, yeah. so, so I was like, I'm not going to go pay $70 and get fitted for this and then end up being pregnant. That's stupid. So I, I just took a pregnancy test out of the blue. And I was like, oh really yes a month and a half into our marriage and my husband was not surprised i was like i kept telling him in the weeks before that i'm i've just got really bad pms and he was like no you don't this is different than pms but i was just in crazy denial really yes. so he basically he knew. knew really yes so i was like oh my god i'm pregnant and he was did like, you have uh-huh. any other symptoms like did your breast hurt or yes anything? but that's like normal for my pms right and so yeah. it was like pms ramped up so i just thought this is just a bad month. pms on ecstasy yeah it was and i was like this is just a really don't bad laugh month. if you don't know you don't know yeah you don't know. <laughs> you don't um so i was like oh my I'm pregnant and we were planning a mission trip to South Africa the next spring right around when I was going to be I got cancelled didn't it yeah it did <laughs> we just started fundraising for that I did not want to be pregnant um were you angry or what was your I feeling I was so angry really and at who who were you angry just at just everything I was like I just got married I don't want to be pregnant like and now I'm pregnant and I just it was this whole mental thing of like I have to rearrange my entire freaking life mm. because I'm gonna be a mom and so it took me a solid couple of days mm-hmm. to weeks to mm-hmm. even be like, okay, this is what it is. Um, did you ever, and I I know your feelings, but did you ever at any point think about not carrying that pregnancy absolutely. out? Absolutely. And it's, really? it's funny that you brought that up because I was about to say something no where... No way. I thought you yes. were totally like against that. And I, I am. Like, I, I really, I really do not believe in abortion, but, but the thought absolutely crossed my mind, really? especially that first day where I was like, I don't have to do this. There is another option. And I, like, I never carried that path. You know, kind of like suicidal ideation. Like, I wish I was dead. But you don't have a plan. Sure. It was like that. It was like, I don't have to do this. And... How far along were you when you found out you were pregnant? I had just missed my period two days before. So, so I was really very, fresh. very early. So I didn't want that pregnancy. I was so mad. So why did why did you keep it? Because or I not choose in abortion. And right. I just, I gave myself some time. And, and then you know, the idea started growing on me and I was like, you know what? We're just going to have to change our life. But when have my plans ever worked out? Mm-hmm. So let's just, <laughs> you know, this wasn't my plan. Let's right. just, let's pray about it and think about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This, this is going to be a good thing. We wanted to be parents, not quite yet, but you know, let's be parents. Mm-hmm. And so I started planning and like, 
our, start telling people. I actually had my whole family and his whole family out on my birthday, which was just a couple weeks after I found out. And I gave everybody these little boxes that I'd made um, with an apple seed in it. And in the top of it, it said like, this is how big your niece or nephew is, or this oh. is how big your grandbaby is. And that's how I announced to our family. That's so cute. I know. And my mom, Did I seen her out? earlier that week and I was being really weird around her because I can't keep secrets from her. And I was trying not to tell her yet. And she came home that night and was like, I was talking to her husband, like, I think Savannah's mad at me. She's being really weird. Oh. And I was trying not to tell her. <laughs> like, it's a nice thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I announced it to my whole family and I just really started wrapping my mind around, okay, this wasn't our plan. We canceled our mission trip, you mm. know, but we're just going to do this. We're on the mommy daddy track. Like, you know, let's, let's do this thing. And so I went from, I didn't want it. We've got it. Super angry to like I came around and I was like okay you know I love this baby and we're gonna do this and mm. I started getting excited we had our first OB appointment didn't get a great heartbeat at that point but I was going to a midwife practice that was pretty newly established um, and the midwife who scanned me didn't really know what she was doing and so I just talked it up to she doesn't know what she's doing we were scheduled in a couple weeks to come back and get a heartbeat and all of mm. that so at what how old I was how old was the baby when you were when, going? I was eight weeks when okay. they did that first scan. Okay. So um, you had had eight weeks of like getting yes, used to the idea. Yes. Um, so, and I'd been horrifically sick. Like I worked an hour away from where I lived at that point. I would pull over on the highway and throw up every morning on my way to work. Like, oh God, it was bad. And then, you know, all of a sudden the nausea started getting better and I was like, okay, cool. My placenta is taking over. I'm less nauseous. Um, and then I started having this brown spotting in my underwear and I was like, what if I'm miscarrying? And I had this moment. Mm-hmm. I was just two weeks behind one of my coworkers. She was also pregnant. Um, so if I was 10 weeks at this point, she was 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And she was still horrifically nauseous. And I wasn't anymore. And I was like, oh, try not to compare. Like, every pregnancy is different. Mm-hmm. And it was this thing where, like, I would describe my symptoms to my coworkers and my friends. And they'd be like, that's all complete. Like, could be completely normal. Like, Because you little, were L&D nurse I was a labor point. and delivery okay. nurse at this point. And I had a lot of friends who had been or were yeah. pregnant. And so, like... You know, your nausea going away, you know, your a little bit of spotting, especially brown spotting, can be completely normal in any pregnancy. Um, but that's so, especially for first time yes. mums or whatever, like that's someone going, oh, that could be normal. You're like, well, right. is it or isn't it? Right. Because at this point yes. I don't know and I'm full of fear. And in my heart, I knew, I knew, I didn't want to admit it, but I knew that that baby was already gone. Really? But I, and I, it was one of those things where I was like, maybe this is, you know, you talk yourself into stupid shit. Like you're like, you know, you yeah. just get too inside your head and you're like, this yeah. is the way it is. And but also I, I'm such a believer. I have never been pregnant. I've yes. never, you know, but I, I've, I'm a trained doula and I do believe that as soon as I'm, I, women in general, whether you're anything to do with children or not, but especially when you have life inside of you, your intuition yes. and that connection you just, just goes know. through the roof. Yes. So when you're talking about, you know, you just knew in your heart and you're trying to talk yourself out of it. I like, I completely yes. understand. And so we went back. So I, I had that light spotting and it wasn't a ton. It was like, I changed my, my penny liner once a day for, you know, it wasn't like I was bleeding like crazy. It wasn't like the movies. Mm-hmm. We went to the midwife again for that already scheduled. We're going to recheck on the heartbeat when we have a stenographer here. Somebody who is an ultrasound technician knows what they're doing, can get a good picture for you. And she's looking and she's looking and I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I know how to look at it in ultrasound. And, um, my husband, Ben was just clutching my hand and she was like, okay, I've just got to step out for a second. Oh, and, um, and he was like, did you see anything? And I was like, I did not see a heartbeat. 
Mm. Um, but I was like, maybe like there was still that part of me that was like, I, I know it's gone. I know there's not a heartbeat, but like maybe there's something like, you know, Just I don't know. On to yes, her. absolutely. And so at that point the midwife came in and said, there's no heartbeat, you know? And my husband, you know, like I stepped into my nursing brain. I stepped mm. into the medical side. And so I was like, okay, in that moment, my husband just burst into tears. Oh, um, had you shared with him before these intuitions yes, of like, I think yes, it's gone? Yes, I had. What was his reaction to that? Let's just see. You know, let's... Didn't like, want to... Didn't want to... He's so even keeled. Like, right. I'm the one who's like, blah, all over the place. So he, he he's always the one who's like, let's just see. Like, yeah. calm down. Mm-hmm. Give me a hug. Like, let's just see what they say. Mm-hmm. So that's when it hit home for him. He's like, this is the medical it's professional. The medical professional is telling me it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you know um and so I just asked my questions and she stepped out and we cried together and he fortunately had taken the rest of the day off work so we just went home and cried and cried and cried together um what were some of the questions you asked um I wanted to know if it was a molar pregnancy um which is where there never was a baby there there's not fetal tissue it's where a sperm with either no chromosomes because they should have 23 they should I think it's 23 they should have 23 chromosomes in them um so either a sperm with zero chromosomes there's no genetic material in it or twice the genetic material it's supposed to have fuses with the egg and so you get tons of hcg which is that pregnancy hormone you feel pregnant you get a positive pregnancy test but that is not possible to turn into a fetus ever like it's not technically fetal tissue there will never be a heartbeat um it's technically cancerous um so in my mind, I'm just going through all the things. So I'm like, do I need to be worried about, you know, because your risks of having cancer after that are much higher. And so I was like, do I need to be worried about a molar pregnancy? Do I need to be worried about, you know, how are we going to deal with this? And so, you know, I was Did asking. Did they say yes or no? They said definitely not a molar pregnancy. They weren't concerned about that. Um, and and the midwife at that point gave me options. She was like, you know, we can give you Cytotec, which is misoprostol. It's... Um, not technically for pregnancy whatsoever. Um, it's actually contraindicated in pregnancy and what they use for chemical abortions very early on because it makes you contract and cramp and makes your um, makes your cervix open. So she was like, we can send you home with this. Um, oh, she said we can wait. Um, was she at least compassionate about oh, it? Oh, she was so sweet Okay, because it sounds like, you know, just take this and it's gone, no, no, no. you know. I was in my medical mind, right. so I wasn't absorbing any of her compassion because I needed to not in that moment. Sure. She was very sweet and very kind and... Um, and so she was like, we can wait if you want to wait. But it was like two weeks before Christmas at this point. She was like, if you wait to, to, to for this baby to pass on its own, you may be right in the middle of the holidays. And I was like, mm, don't want to do that. Um, and when uh, uh, this is uh, in the vein of being honest, like I'm getting really like, this is so hard to talk about, but I, we need to and I absolutely. want to. But it's like, if you if somebody says, well, yeah, I do want to let a baby pass on its own. What, what like what, physically, what is the mechanics of that? Like you just... Do you bleed out? Like it depends mm-hmm. on how far you are along. Yes. Cause like what the, what the physical baby looks like. Yes. Because we all know, like during normal healthy labor and delivery, you're you know you're dilating mm-hmm. and your cervix mm-hmm. opens. It's the same concept essentially. And so waiting for it to pass on its own just means like my my baby had already passed. My body had not recognized that it had passed. Because once your body realizes, you'll go into labor on your own. My body had not realized yet. And so that meant go home, wait until your body realizes you're not pregnant anymore wait until you start cramping and bleeding and and essentially that um and so yeah it's the it's the it feels like a really extreme period essentially that early on um or she said the option is to take this misoprostol this side of tech home take it and that will be the same thing just a sped up process to the um, cramping and the cramping and your cervix opens and you you bleed like a really heavy period you pass tissue 
Um, and so I had a really close, well, and then the other option is a DNC, which is a dilation and curettage where they, they put you to sleep under general anesthesia. They physically open your cervix, scrape everything out and you're done. A lot of people choose that because they don't want to go through Mm -hmm. um, the process alone at home. I chose, I did not want a surgery. I really did not want a surgery. Why did you not want one? I just didn't. I was like, I I don't want to do that unless I have to. And I think it was because of my mom's experience with the twins. Yeah. That was really, really horrific for her. Um, did she have a DNC? She had a DNC with Mm. the twins because her body didn't recognize that she was pregnant or wasn't still pregnant and wouldn't let go of them. And so I didn't want to go through that. And so this was like a Thursday night, I think. It was a Wednesday or a Thursday. I don't remember. So I, I got, I went and I got the cytotech and I came home and then I started taking it, I think that night or the next morning. And I was really lucky because my sister who is 18 months younger than me, um, Sierra, my best friend, practically my twin, she was on Christmas break. So that Friday morning I sent my husband to work. I was like, I love you. I don't need you to be a part of this. Um, if I need you, I'll call you and you can come home. Um, so I just sent him to work and that was what he wanted to do. Um, and everybody's different, um, as far as that goes. And so I started taking it that morning. I wish my midwife had warned me that Cytotec gives you the shits because <laughs> like, let's be honest. Um, she didn't warn me that I needed to eat I'm when I took the use that part for the soundbite. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, she didn't give me a heads up about that, that you needed to eat before you took it or gave you diarrhea from hell. So like... Already, I'm like, I'm sad, I'm bleeding, I'm crying, and then I'm shitting my brains out on the toilet. So just... God, it's awful! It was, but it was fun. It's like, it was one of those days that was so bizarre because it was like, that was funny, but bad. But really, we needed to laugh some too. So that was you and Sierra. Yes, and she... She was amazing. Her boyfriend actually came too, which was great because he just hung out in the living room and like did dishes. And mm. and I was in my bed, like my master bedroom had the bathroom attached. I was in there and I was taking my pills every four hours and then I was cramping and cramping and then it got really bad. And they tell you it gets really bad when that fetal tissue hits the cervix because the cervix is so tender. Mm. And so I literally thought I was going to die. Like I, I took all my clothes off. I was butt naked because I was so hot. Yeah. And how much would you compare that to actual labor that you've experienced? So actual labor was worse. Right. But But, but in the, in the arena. Yes. And, but hopeful. Cause the thing Mm -hmm. is that like when you're laboring with a live baby, it sucks, but you know, you're getting a baby out of it. It's like, I can get through this. I get my baby. I've had the pain, the, the yeah. emotional pain makes the physical pain of a miscarriage worse. I've, I've, I've can only imagine the, yes. I've, I've struggled like with really, really awful period pain. Yes. And I've definitely, what you're talking about, like almost what I imagine labor to be like from what yes. I, I mean, I've, I've sat with many laboring women and, and how like, I feel that I'm like, I've kind of been there, but not yes. really, but like, you know, butt in the air, like. I'm gonna yeah. die. It's so yes. painful, and it is. It is like this. Just someone might as well have like a fifteen pound rock on you. That's how it yes. feels. Yeah. Um, you know. So I've I've experienced that kind of thing, and I've I've, I've not been pregnant and taken, you know, something like that. But I've I've taken a Plan B pill before, mm-hmm. and that's a similar sort of like it does make you cramp, mm-hmm. you know. And that was a weird sensation, and it mm-hmm. was so interesting because I. I've never been pregnant, but I've had like where I thought I might have been. Some scares. Yes. Um, and just, it, it was so interesting like to take, to not even like have to go re- fully into the journey of like, you know, baby loss, like w- mm-hmm. what we're talking about, but just mm-hmm. the, 
okay, well, this was literally like the next morning, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm pregnant, it's like not even, I can't even really count it, you know, and, and not really thinking I was, but, but certainly wanting to make sure that I absolutely wasn't. And then sort of not really shame about taking that, but like wrestling with just it. weird, like, oh my God, I don't like how this feels. And then feeling very emotional when I took it and, and had taken it, I was like, well, there's no going back now. And just knowing that it was like this journey, it was just weird. It was just yes. very, very strange. And a lot of different emotions around, oh, I, just as you say, like the phys- the physical and the emotional connected is just yes. a strange experience. And also like, what for me, it was like, because I'm very maternal and I do eventually want to have children someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, where I stand on like elective you know, mm-hmm. abortion is like, I'm pro-choice, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would have one. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I can tell anyone what to do, but I don't think that that would be the choice I would make for me. Mm-hmm. But it kind of felt like, okay, I know this is not an abortion, but it does feel like I'm putting something in the way to stop it. It just was like this... Some intense And emotions. even to this day, like years yeah. later, I can't even really go, well, this is how I felt about it. I'm, you can hear me. I'm like, oh, it was weird. I don't know how to feel. It was mm-hmm. strange, you know. So many mixed emotions. So, of course, I don't want to say, like, women are made to have children because that's toxic as hell. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say that there is something very primal in a woman that is, like, driven for that. Sure. You know, and not everybody is like that. Some people choose never to have kids and that, mm-hmm. you know, I respect that. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of women, it's, like, a deep craving almost. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the only way I can describe how I feel about it. I, I connect to that because I, I feel that for me personally. I'm yes. right with you in that school of thought that you know if a woman never wants to be around children let alone have them and she wants to go be a federal judge amen like let's have a female president like I for sure I don't believe like a woman's purpose is to have kids and run the home but but for those people who do I get that and I would say I'm one of them you feel that so like you have that feeling but also I'm not ready yet and Mm -hmm. so there's so many mixed emotions and it's so intense and it's so not talked about Mm -hmm. um be it you know pregnancy in general fetal loss infertility like these are just topics that are not talked about enough and I and I appreciate opportunities to talk about it because yeah. like I was saying earlier vulnerability breeds vulnerability yeah um you've, you've got my yes. my thought on it is and and why I set up this podcast and and called it what it is and made it the theme that it is is because I really believe that when you shine light in dark corners of the room it's not dark anymore no. so when you when you talk about these things with people and and share it and say you know what it's okay to talk about this mm-hmm. here's my experience on it mm-hmm. or if I've never experienced it I can I can still sit with you and, and yes. show up for you it, it's not a dark scary lonely place anymore yes. like it's literally that simple it is and and it's incredible this like I've been very open about my miscarriage mm-hmm. um I gave myself a couple of months to process it I hadn't announced my pregnancy yet um so I processed it for a while and then I announced that I had a miscarriage and I wrote a, bo- a blog post. Yeah, I remember um, that. It was on, um, oh, what is the blog called? I don't even remember, but I'm sorry, Brittany, I will remember the name of your blog. But the title of it was To the Mother with No Kids because I lost my first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that was how I announced. And after that, people like literally came out of the woodworks Mm. um with their own stories and I had no idea that half of these people had experienced this but they're like hey you shared your story with me let me share mine with you I swear that people in general whatever topic is in life are just mothering beyond expectations that's the name of the blog you should look it up it's incredible okay we'll we'll do a link that'll be great um but I swear people are just sitting there going 
Oh, please, someone else talk about it. Someone else talk about yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I had an experience too. Yeah, let's talk about and it. And it takes a few it does. brave people to just stand up and go, like you did with writing that blog, hey, Soapbox, I have something to say. I'm going to share my story. And no one else has said anything about it. That's a really hard thing to do. So amazingly good on you for doing that. Because, you know, I think that's that's what we want as people is, is just connection and, yes. you know, someone to not not judge us and to be there with us because Absolutely. look the truth is we all go through stuff we do humanity is messy yeah and we, we try to sugarcoat it we try not to say things bluntly and i think yeah again toxic as hell i was just telling you off the air so i'm going to tell everyone now i'm a nurse so i overshare and mm-hmm. that includes my miscarriage and mm-hmm. so when i have friends or friends of friends who are going through it especially the same gestational age i was 12 weeks my baby mm-hmm. probably passed around 10 weeks Um, and so they don't know what to expect. It's not talked about. And I say, let me tell you what to expect. And I say, you know, this is what it looked like. You know, when I, when I finally passed the tissue that was causing so much pain against my cervix, it looked like placental tissue. Um, I had no identifiable fetus. Um, my body had almost absorbed it at that point or it had grown into the placenta. So there was nothing I could Mm -hmm. say, this is a baby. Um, did you have to also pass the placenta as well I did yeah all of it all of that tissue came out and it came out in two pieces the first piece I was in the shower on my hands and knees my incredible sister was there helping me breathe because I was hyperventilating I was in so much pain Mm. and then it passed and I felt so much relief and I kept that tissue even though I couldn't really identify what it was and I was like I'm a labor and delivery nurse I'll be able to no idea what I was looking at it looked like half of a placenta a very very small placenta Mm. um it was several inches in diameter and then after my husband came home from work I ran to the bathroom again because I had that horrible feeling again and another piece of tissue passed and it looked again several inches in diameter um similar it just looked like like placenta there was no like baby there um and my my sweet friend who had experienced a miscarriage and walked me through so much of this she had the recommendation to put just buy a cheap colander and put it in my toilet. She was like, some people don't want to see their baby when they miscarry. They just want to miscarry, flush it, be done. She said, Wait, some say people, that again. Put so, a like a, um, a pasta strainer? Right. In the toilet. Because you're sitting on the toilet, either miscarriage or labor is a very comfortable position. Like, you know when you're on yeah, your yeah, period yeah. and yeah. being on the toilet feels better? Right. Same thing. Well, that, like with my doula clients, like a lot of women yes, go, go exactly, to the toilet. Exactly. Yeah. And so she was saying, you know, search your heart how do you feel about it you know because for me I really like I didn't want to accidentally flush my baby down the toilet that like like it was a goldfish you know like that makes that sense was horrific to my mind sure and yeah. so I'm like I'll fish it out of the toilet if I have to but like it just it's so like let's be honest it's disgusting it's it's raw it's primal and so she was saying put a colander in the toilet that you're gonna throw away later that way when you're sitting on the toilet you're bleeding when that tissue passes, if you're on the toilet, it will fall into the colander and you can just kind of scoop it out from there. It was a brilliant suggestion that I've been telling people. Doesn't get more honest than that, does it? That's what I'm saying. And that's why I tell that to people who are having miscarriages. I'm like, look, nobody wants to talk about this, but let's it's talk so about it for a second. But let's it talk is. about it. It's like, oh, it's so taboo, but like, do you, you know, this, it's, it was the most practical advice I'd received yeah. about my miscarriage. And so wow. I actually saved all and of that And see how tissue. someone being honest with you helped you. It and did. then you're going to help someone. And I'm passing you know, it on. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. That honesty and vulnerability is invaluable. So that was my ankle popping. Okay. Um, so, all right, we've got chairs squeaking, ankles popping. We've got babies yeah, crying. Exactly. It's okay. Um, so, so I saved all of that tissue. Um, what did you choose to do with it? We buried it on mm. my husband's farm. Um, mm. There was a tree. And this is where I'm probably going to tear up. 
there's a tree out in their woods that my husband and I grew up together. So we played in those woods so often. And then when we were engaged, we went and carved our initials on a tree out there. Mm. And then we went back to that tree. Um, and that's where my husband dug a hole. And we, we told his mom, like, hey, can we do this on your farm? And she was like, yeah, sure. Mm. Um, and we cried and prayed and sang and read a scripture verse. And my 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 sister, who Sierra, who was with me during the whole miscarriage, painted me a beautiful little box that we put all of that tissue in and mm. um and we just had a little funeral for our baby that's exactly what it sounds like it a was funeral. and we um and we buried her there and um so um and that was kind of the the end of the physical part of that story because mm. after that it, you know I bled for a couple of weeks and then stopped bleeding and my period came back and that was the end of that but the emotional just goes on and on and yeah um and I know, knowing you and having you as a cousin, I know that you continue to honor her. Yes. And you gave her a name. We did. And we you... named her Ava. My yeah. husband named her Ava. And I got a tattoo mm-hmm. um, of her name with these itty bitty little footprints mm-hmm. um, on it. And one of the first things I did when my son was born was he was, oh my gosh, second night syndrome is a thing. Newborns are fine the first night they're alive. <laughs> they're like still out of it. And then the second night they they're fool like, you. where the hell am I? <laughs> So he just cried and cried all night and nursed and nursed and nursed. And finally, we just had a calm moment and I was just cuddling my newborn baby. And it's the middle of the night. My husband's passed out. And I just started. Yes. Yeah. That's what husbands do at the hospital. And I was just cuddling this brand new baby. And I got to tell him all about his older sister, Ava, and how, how if we hadn't gotten pregnant with her, we didn't want to have a baby yet. And, but once I had her, I was like, my mindset was on the mommy track. I couldn't let it go. We gave Mm. my body a couple months to heal, and then we were trying to get pregnant again. So we actually tried to get pregnant with my son. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, And so I just had this precious moment with him where I got to just tell him, like, about his big sister in heaven and how much I loved Mm. her and, you know, of course, missed her and couldn't wait to meet her, but how it was thanks to her that I had him Mm. because I was pregnant with him before my due date with her. So if I care, it's very complicated because if I'd carried her to term, of course, I never wanted to lose her, but if I'd carried her to term, I wouldn't have my son Edmund. Yeah, and now and you can't I imagine life without him. Adore him, like yeah. so. You know, I I try not to think about the what ifs because it gets too complicated. Sure. But I am thankful for that first pregnancy, even though it was hard, because mm. that's what got me in the mindset yeah. to want to get pregnant and to have my son. Yeah. And, um, you know, let's just talk for a minute about people's responses to miscarriage because it's yeah. usually horrible. And yeah, what has that been like? Because you've been very yes. honest and you've shared about it. Even though you've written a blog, you're very. Yes honest on social media as I said you honor her and I I think that's wonderful but what was that response a were you afraid to do it like to share yes and then what was the response when you did so because it's a taboo subject even Mm -hmm. though it's it's hard to tell because people are very secretive about their miscarriages but 25 to 40 percent of pregnancies end in a loss really that's high yes Yes. I did not know that they say one in four but it's up to 40 percent no way yes and so so it's so common but nobody talks about it so of course I was nervous about it especially because I hadn't announced my pregnancy so my first time talking about my pregnancy was I had a miscarriage and everybody but you told your family I told my family but not publicly but not publicly and my family was great about it so the the very initial telling of people was hard because when I, there was only a few people that I called and texted right away, my mom, my sister, you know, a few best friends. Mm-hmm. And that was hard because I didn't want to say our baby's dead. Like that was a very harsh way to say that. So I said, we had an ultrasound today and there was no heartbeat. And I was shocked. It was mostly my friends, but I was shocked at how many of them said, so what does that mean? Mm. I said, 
there is no heartbeat so there's no baby anymore and that what what if if a, a live person didn't have a heartbeat exactly what would that mean? and so i was shocked at how i had how many people i had to explain that to so um, like an, that an, made an education yes that made it hard yeah. because i was trying i was using euphemisms because it was painful for me mm. and then i had to explain it in detail anyway so that was hard and then um there were many people who knew it was an unplanned pregnancy and then you know when they found out about the loss people just don't know what to say you know, and so they say something stupid. And so there were several people in particular who said something about, oh, well, now your life can go back to normal. <gasps> and Oh, fucking hell. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and and it's like, well, there is no normal. This is my new normal. What is Why the matter with people? Why would you say people? something like that? Do you know and, how many times on this podcast, <laughs> oh, uh, the yeah. series, I've gone, what is the matter with people? So that, that is the tagline. Let's be honest, what is the matter with people? <laughs> um, or one girl said, she was like, well, now you can just really focus on your marriage. And I was like, mm, you um, can kind of do that with a baby. And that's a really horrible thing. I can just punch you in the to, face. Exactly. Um, that's a really horrible thing to say, actually. What did you act like? What did you respond back with that? To? I just didn't respond. I just yeah. was kind of like, okay, and walked away because I didn't know what to say. That wasn't going to be really mean, you know. And and the thing is that I love. There's this video out there, and I don't know what it's called, but it's empathy versus sympathy, and it's these little animated animals. And I recommend that everybody watches it. You can uh, link that one too. Okay. <laughs> um, and it has to do with you know sympathy wants to draw a silver lining on things. And sympathy is people's go-to. Whereas empathy is being in this moment with somebody. Mm. And so any statement that starts with at least is sympathy and is horrible. You should never start any, you know, if somebody's grieving anything. Oh, well, you had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. Oh, you know. And that's making it about your, not you like the person they're talking to, but the person who's saying that. That's obviously just projection. Yes. You know, and I'm like, well, there is no at least. I don't know that I can carry a pregnancy to term. This was my sure. first pregnancy. What if I'm like this lady and have nine pregnancies and no babies? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you should never say at least, ever, number one. And then, you know, trying to distance, it's painful. It's hard. You don't know what to say. But distancing yourself emotionally mm. from that is sympathy and is wrong. You know, say, I don't know what to say. That is so hard. I am so sorry. I'm just going to sit with you in this sadness. That's mm. all you got to say. You know, you don't have to say, it's going to get better. At least mm. your life is back well, to People normal. feel like they have to fix it. And there's no fixing it. You can't. Po- how could you ever begin? There's no silver lining. Now, has there been good things that have come out of my miscarriage? Have I been able to minister to people and sit with people? Absolutely. Like, I'm thankful for the experience in that it has given me an opportunity to be open with people and to really engage with them and connect. But, you know, there is no silver lining to losing a child. There's no. just not. Yeah. So if you try to give a silver lining, you just need to stop and mm. catch yourself and don't say it. That's great advice for people to just know that. Yes. Because if you are ever in that situation, you know, like, you know, how, how, I mean, maybe like you've said that, but like maybe let's make it even more simple for people. If you're listening to this and in the near or distant future, let's hope never. But if you come across a situation where you're having to interact with someone who's telling you they have had a miscarriage or you need to support them, what, as somebody who's been through it and as a labor and delivery nurse, Mm -hmm. as a woman, and now as a mother, all of these amazing experiences, how do you best think somebody can support you? Like, what is a good thing to say or to do? Honestly, either say nothing. That's a good thing. The people who said nothing and just hugged me, that's what made me cry. Because mm. they didn't have to say anything. Right. They just gave me a hug and supported me. So mm-hmm. that's a good option. Right. Saying, 
that sucks. I am so sorry. That's a good option because mm. that's the truth. Yeah. It does not have to be eloquent. It does not have to be, you know, fixable, fancy. fancy. Just say, that is so hard. I am so sorry you lost your baby. That's it. That's all you got to say, mm. you know, or say, Hey, how are you feeling? You know, mm. what can I do for you? Can I bring you a meal? People always bring meals for people who have had babies. Sometimes when you're bleeding and you're grieving, you do not have the energy to cook. Say, can I bring you some chicken soup? Mm. Cause some people, exactly. Some people don't know what to say. They want to fix things yeah. by doing something. Yeah. So say people are so uncomfortable. They but, just mess it up. And then yes. I'm sure people have gone away and gone, Oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. Yes. Or, you know, let me bring you a meal. Mm. Let me make you a commemorative blanket. Let me, you know, give you a gift card so you can go out to eat, you know, mm. whatever it is. Or, you know, so in my mom's situation, she had five children. Let me take your kids out for the, for the day at the park so you can get a break. You know, um, just small things, just being there yeah, and but it not sounds trying like to sugarcoat acts of service, it. Acts of service or just acknowledging yeah. this yeah. is horrible. I yeah. am so sorry. That's it. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And, and giving a space for people to talk and, you know, mm. and they will. Um, yeah. So that, that is really what I recommend and what touched me the most. And yeah. How did you feel about your body after the miscarriage? Um, like it had betrayed me. Like, I've, I asked that because I've, I've heard yes. a lot of women, cause as I said, I'm, you know, I'm a doula. I'm, I'm interested in the, you know, the mother baby pregnancy world. And I've heard a lot of women say, you know, they were so angry yes. at their so bodies. Like how could you have done this womb. to me? Yes. And, and I didn't know at that point people, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. I can get pregnant, yeah, without trying, apparently. But, mm -hmm. you know, can I carry a pregnancy to term? Sure. I don't know that. Mm -hmm. You know, or I didn't know that at that time. Yeah. I was so angry at my, my MJ womb. And periods were traumatic for me after that. Of course. Because um, the bleeding. That's something people don't even think about. Yes. You know, you bleed because you're losing a baby. And then you're fine again. And then you start your period. And it's a reminder all over again. It's like, you know, PTSD. Mm. And then the next thing that people don't talk about is pregnancy after loss. Mm. When I got pregnant with my son, I was trying for it. I was psycho about it. Like, I wanted it so bad. And then when I had it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, mm. what if I lose this one too? What made you go from oh gosh like let's not get pregnant for a couple of years to okay we are pregnant and yeah we're going to do this to experiencing loss to then saying we're doing this now what made you want to get pregnant I think it was because of that first pregnancy mm -hmm. where like my entire mind and heart was set on we're gonna have this baby we're just gonna be parents and when that was yanked away from me yeah, I didn't lose that feeling yeah. yeah I didn't lose that feeling and it's it's a very common initial reaction people either have one of two reactions I'm never getting pregnant again mm -hmm. or I'm getting pregnant immediately like tonight let's let's go let's get pregnant again <laughs> and it's not the feeling of I can replace that baby mm -hmm. you know you can never replace that of baby course. but it's just it's that primal instinct of you know I just need to be pregnant yeah um and so that was my reaction is I'm gonna get pregnant again and my poor husband was like no let's mm. give it a second like you're psycho I was grieving so hard I was all over the place and not talking about it mm. talk to people about your loss please because when you bottle it up you go psycho and I that's did that's with anything you've got to, yes. in the dark moments you've got to find connection yes. doesn't matter if it's a book that you've read or that one friend or even if you are so like introvert and you don't want to talk to anybody journal about it whatever Absolutely. you know yes. you've got you've got you to get to it process. out and yeah so I needed to process and to physically heal I was very anemic after my loss because I bled quite a bit mm. um so after that but I wanted to be pregnant and so we made ourselves wait I think it was like five or six months mm -hmm. um and then after that point 
mm-hmm. I was like, let's, let's do this. I'm ready. Yeah. And we tried for a month. I didn't get pregnant. I was devastated. Tried for another month and we didn't try long, you know, like some people have a much harder time getting pregnant. Yeah. So we got pregnant the second month we were trying and it was, I was at work. I was part of a full term fetal death at work. Um, perfectly healthy little boy, but he tied his, his umbilical cord into a knot and mm. cut off blood flow and he passed away. That's what happened. Did I don't know if you know this. Did you know my mother was a twin? No. Yeah. Uh, my mother was a twin and she, if I'm remembering this correctly, my mum, I think Linda, and mm-hmm. they named the twin mm-hmm. that, that didn't make it. Um, she had the cord wrapped around her neck mm-hmm. and my mum was getting all of the blood. Yes. So Linda was not getting enough. So they shared a placenta. There was twin-to-twin transfusion. Okay. Um, and this was back in the 60s where, yes. you know, knowledge was not as... as so um, they didn't find out till after she was born. But... I, I believe... they. My grandma is, is interesting because she doesn't... D- never brings it up on her own. Mm-hmm. And, and when we have talked... She's okay to talk about it if we... The few times we've brought it up, but doesn't really sort of remember or doesn't mm-hmm. maybe have the medical knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just to do with, like, the time in you know history that it happened yes. but she I don't think they knew anything was wrong mm-hmm. maybe until till mm-hmm. the birth and I think she survived for maybe like six or eight hours oh, that's hard. you know as she was maybe being delivered they yes. got the cord off yes. um but my my if, if I've got it the right way round about you know which one had too much blood I think it was my mum that had too much blood and mm-hmm. she would you know was purple yes and you know Linda was just ghostly white, ghostly white and my grandfather, you know, their dad it, it talks about holding Linda. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my grandmother ever held her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm then, glad he got to hold her. Yeah, and then she... Because that was not common for that yeah, age. Yeah, and then she passed. And my mum always said, like, up in, you know, up until about, you know... I, th- I thought, I'm totally probably getting this wrong, and I have to check with my family later, but I think she found out, which was quite young, that she was a twin, maybe like mm-hmm. six, seven, eight mm-hmm. years old. And she says she has these memories that before she actually found out what was hap- you know, had happened and that, yep, you're a twin, she felt this insane, mm-hmm. missing, longing feeling. Absolutely. She, she, you know, and then it all clicked in and made mm-hmm. sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what, what you would call that when it, if it's twins and one doesn't make it, like just as baby loss. It you is, know, it you know, is. It's, it's not a miscarriage, but... I know, there's, I know there's a term for it, but um, when one twin survives and the other one doesn't, and yeah. that's a complicated situation because you're happy and you're excited and yeah. you have a baby, but you're also grieving. And yeah. then every milestone that this twin hits is another, like, There should oh, be, there should be, there should be. And, and in our yes. family, we don't we don't talk about... Like you talked at the, at the beginning about, you know, uh, you know, when the springtime comes around, talking about the twins mm-hmm. and talking mm-hmm. about their names and stuff like she did get given a name because mm-hmm. she was born um and you know but there's no like my grandma doesn't say well I have four girls and three are earth side and yeah. you know she, there's none of that it's not common for that generation yeah and and we don't talk you know my mum every so often will will say you mm-hmm. know um you know Linda and you know, this makes me quite emotional, but she, you know, she talks like you do about, you know, mm-hmm. I'll get to heaven and I'll get to finally meet mm-hmm. Linda. And it makes me so sad, yeah. you know, for my mum knowing that, you she know, she sister. missed that. Yeah. And a twin, you know, yeah. like that's just really hard. Um, I can't imagine like growing up, you know, we know people and, and people talk about, you know, having a sibling that died mm-hmm. and, and having to mm-hmm. go through that. But like, there's something so precious about, you know, twinship and, mm-hmm. and, 
and also like God, I can't imagine walking through life going something's missing and not knowing like that's really difficult and um um six years ago my mum oh sorry she's gonna kill me it was five years ago on her 50th birthday um we got her a bracelet to commemorate commemorate her 50th birthday and we put linda's name on the inside you know because it was like it was linda's birthday too and yeah it's just it's really heavy it's really really Mm -hmm. heavy and we don't not talk about it as a family because it's taboo we don't talk about it Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like I guess people aren't as maybe as emotionally connected to it. I don't know. I don't know. But but we don't talk about and it. And everybody's different. Like some people process by not talking about it at all. Yeah. You know, and that's an appropriate thing. Like people just have to decide what is their thing. You yeah. Know? Definitely don't keep it. Don't let it fester. Share it with someone. Mm. Share it with a journal. Share it with one safe person so that you have someone to process with. Yeah. But not everybody is as open as you know me as a nurse slash sure. coming from the family that I do. Um. <laughs> so people just have to process and grieve how they process and grieve yeah, you know yeah. um and so but then also like i was saying there's a generational thing many many generations of women their their own husbands mm. didn't know they had a miscarriage their children they didn't, didn't say anything. they didn't say anything yeah to anyone and so it's just now starting to come out like hey this shouldn't be taboo yeah like that's stupid yeah um i listened to this great great podcast um the host is this woman named giovanna fletcher mm. um i hope i get to meet her one day because she she was a big inspiration as to why i wanted to do a podcast too um and her podcast is called happy mum happy baby mm. and it's based off of this book that she wrote um called happy mum happy baby and it's the the premise of the book is if the mum's not happy baby's not happy that's the doesn't truth. matter if 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 it's causing your mental health stress to be self-pureeing every type of food and and that's causing you to like be away from everything else you need to be doing guess what your baby's going to be fine with store-bought pureed food like you know that kind of concept Mm -hmm, of you mm -hmm. you cannot kill yourself or or completely Mm -hmm. drain your cup to Mm -hmm. to do what you think is best for your child you being taken care of is also what's best for your child absolutely what's best for your child so this book is like her Mm -hmm. journey she suffered a miscarriage Mm. um her her close friends did too mm-hmm. and then she's now a mum of three and and then she goes on to do this podcast and she talks to other mums about their you yeah. know journeys and they did one on baby loss I don't know if the US has it but the UK actually has a baby loss awareness week That's so awesome. they did a particular episode during this mm-hmm. during this week and they were talking about you know miscarriage and um you know it's it's just so heavy and, and she said like what we did at the beginning she's like I hate that people don't talk about anything Mm -hmm. in the first 12 weeks because you know because then you don't have to say anything it's like well why shouldn't you be able to say anything and why you know why why just because it's going to make you potentially uncomfortable doesn't mean it doesn't need to be discussed right and and it's not not real until 12 weeks i think that's a lot of what people think is like well it's really valid at three months it's like well no is it we're excited for this (laughs) because i'm pregnant now you know yeah i'm and suffering in silence the first trimester is the worst trimester Mm. you know for many women you're sick you're exhausted you're miserable and you can't talk about being pregnant no Mm -hmm. like that's stupid to me you need the most support in the first trimester second trimester you feel good you don't need people knowing you're pregnant and being like how can i help you feel great yeah first trimester you're like i'm not getting off the couch somebody please come cook my poor husband something because he's just eating sandwiches Yeah, yeah yeah like that's what i think that's another way 
um, that women are getting liberated. Yes. You know, there's so many tiny segments of, of, of resistance and, and control that women are breaking out of in this, you know, feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, whacking the table. And I think that talking about miscarriage and talking about baby loss and reclaiming their pregnancies for their own and sharing them with their tribes and mm-hmm. their communities is another so way that important. we're taking back, you know, feminine power. Yes. I think it's in- incredible to do. So what I was talking about with pregnancy after loss is one, again, that I feel like is never touched on and is never talked about, mm. but it's hard. Mm. The first 12 weeks that I was pregnant with my son, I was insane. I did not count on getting out of that pregnancy with a live baby. Every did you time, have a lot of anxiety and fear the whole so way through? Much. Especially at especially the Especially the first 12 weeks. And right. every time every time I went to go pee, every time I pulled down my pants, I expected, expected to see blood. Like, every time. I couldn't shake it. Now, I was going to a new OB at that point, and um, they're Catholic, pro-life, very progressive, um, or very aggressive progesterone therapy. Um, With my history of a miscarriage, they tested my progesterone level the minute they found out I was pregnant. Um, It was low, and it tanked right around 10 weeks when I lost my daughter. Um, And then, so they were giving me shots, between two and four shots a week the entire 36 weeks of my pregnancy. That's intense. Yes. And we retested my level every two to three weeks and my body just doesn't make progesterone and progesterone is the hormone that keeps you pregnant. Um, you know, initially it's made by your body and then the placenta takes over and the placenta makes it and for whatever reason, my body just does not make it. Mm. I mean, it makes it. My levels went up during my pregnancy but never went up to where they should have been. Right. And most OBs don't have this kind of a protocol so I'm very thankful for it. It was incredibly painful. Um, because they're deep shots in my hips two to four times a week. I counted up. I didn't count quite correctly. I think I need to recount, but it was at least 85 shots during my pregnancy. And they hurt. They hurt a lot. Like my hips always hurt. They ached, but I was like, I will stand on my head for nine months to keep this pregnancy. Right. So, but I, even with that, that I wasn't. mother's fierce. Yes. You know. And I wasn't counting on getting out of that pregnancy with a live baby. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of fear and anxiety, but there was also a lot of, um, intentional thought. Um, and this is my encouragement to any woman that is, has, is pregnant after a loss and is struggling with this fear and anxiety. Um, I didn't have a countdown. I didn't think about my due date. I had a count up. I figured out when I ovulated and that was day one. Mm. And I had this little chalkboard in my bedroom that said, you know, dear baby or dear, you know, pea or dear plum, whatever size he was at that week until we found out he was a boy, um, and named him, um, you know, dear little orange, whatever. We have loved you for 20 days, for 50 days, for 150 days. And I counted up every single day of my pregnancy. And I was thankful for today and for every day that I've had this baby. And I was like, I could lose this baby today, tomorrow. Mm. I I was telling you, I had that full term cord event. The baby passed away. That was the day I went home and took a pregnancy test. No idea why. That was when I found out I was pregnant. I was like, I cannot process this. This is too much Mm -hmm. to go straight from this baby passed away when it should have been born alive, and now I'm pregnant. It was yeah. just too much. Wow. So, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Now, are there many full-term fetal deaths? No. I do not want to instill fear in anybody. Um, you know, you get out of that first 12 weeks, and for the most part, you're safe after that. Right. But things happen. And so rather than the anxiety of, I could lose this baby before it's born, mm-hmm. which was definitely there, there was a, thank you, Jesus, for this baby today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, I've had this baby for... 40 days. Mm. I'm thankful for every moment. I was thankful for every time I was so nauseous for mm. every ache I and remember pain. you talking about yes. that. Yeah. For my hips, which ached and hurt so bad. I was thankful for it because that meant I was still pregnant. Mm. And there was a lot of like being a labor and delivery nurse. I know every horror story. And so I was like, but what if this happens? But what if that happens? And as that thought popped up, I cut it off right there and said, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to think about that. 
We're going to have a healthy baby. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord, for today. Mm -hmm. And by doing that over and over and over and over and over again, for every single day of my entire pregnancy, there was a lot of, there was an entirely different, different mindset by the end of it where I was still nervous, but I was so thankful for every day that I'd had with that baby, even if I lost him and didn't get to experience him yeah. on this side of heaven. Um, so that, that definitely is my encouragement to, to women who are experiencing pregnancy after loss because it can be such a hard season mm. full of fear and anxiety. And so capturing your thoughts and intentional thankfulness is what got me through. Yeah. Um, and I definitely recommend that. Um, that's amazing. And that's such a, a positive way to look at it. And, you know, that's so much oversaturated phrase, you know, like positive thinking. It's like, well, right. sometimes I just need to cry and I don't want to be positive. Oh, but, yes. Do that. You know, do that too. Do that too. But but that is a really positive way to, to handle it. You know, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. You have just been so so honest and yes. just amazingly vulnerable I mean I love you because you're my family but I just also love you as my friend and you. you know you your story is is going to touch a lot of people so I'm excited thank you for letting me share and yeah it's I been really amazing hope, I really hope that people will be open about their stories yeah. too I think I think it's going to do wonders you know my emphasis on this podcast is that you know there's no agenda on you know where it goes to it just trust that it goes out and and finds the people that it needs to and I, I think that's gonna do that so thank you so much yes, thank you. thank you for listening to the final episode of season one be sure to follow us across social media using the tag let's be honest the podcast and join us when season two kicks off on october 22nd thanks for listening bye